Hi, everyone. This is Susan, and you're listening to The Darker Side of Things. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Darker Side of Things. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight. Um, It's a late night episode. Uh, It is uh, almost a quarter till nine, my time, uh, Eastern Standard. So um, I will be doing tonight's episode by myself. Uh, My brother isn't with me tonight. Um, He's at home. So uh, I decided to go ahead and, you know, do a quick little episode here, um, try to get some more content out to you guys, keep you all interested. Um, So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Waverly Sanatorium. And this sanatorium is located in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's considered to be one of the most haunted places in the United States. The sanatorium served a lot of purposes over its history, but it's most famous for being a sanatorium for tuberculosis patients from 1910 to 1961. At the time, uh, tuberculosis was running rampant from 1910 to 1961, and there were no successful treatment options, and it was and is an infectious bacterial disease that affects the lungs. Many who came down with the disease died, including those who worked at the sanatorium. And funny story, uh, my mom, uh, who does not have tuberculosis, but she is a carrier. And an interesting fact is that um, while if you like work in any kind of healthcare or, you know, anything like that, um, you have to get um, certain types of shots and before you can start working there. So you don't, you know get the patient sick or the residents. So one of those shots is the tuberculosis shot. And the way that that's conducted is that they put it in your, um, on the underside of your forearm. And um, if you have a reaction, obviously you'll know. Um, But my mom can't take that shot. She has to have a chest x-ray. And why that is, I don't know. But she, if she takes the shot, she will have a reaction and she could potentially die. So um, thankfully that, uh, you know, they recognize that. And um, I just thought that that was, you know, an an interesting little tidbit that, you know, if you are a carrier of the bacteria, uh, you can't get a shot. You have to have a chest x-ray and it'll, it'll show up in your, in your lungs, obviously, because it's a lung disease. Um, So I'll get back to the story. Uh, Many uh, who came down with the disease died, um, including those who worked at the sanatorium. And this is the main reason that people believe that the sanatorium is haunted. and, And I would probably think so, too. Paranormal reports are still being made after all this time. And the most popular place for sightings is near Waverly Hills Body Shoot. And we will talk about that later in the episode. So the land was first purchased by Major Tom H. Hayes in 1883. And he initially bought the property to build a schoolhouse for his daughters so that they could have a place to go to school. He named the school Waverly School 
and was later changed to Waverly Hills after the novels written by Sir Walter Scott. After the tuberculosis outbreak of of the 19th century, the school ceased to operate. It was then that the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital set sights on the building and decided to make it into a sanatorium for those suffering from the disease. Construction began in 1908, and it was originally a two-story building that only held like maybe 40 patients. And at the time that it opened in 1910, all 40 beds were occupied. The number of patients continued to grow, obviously, and so did the sanatorium. When all was said and done, it became a five-story expansion that could house up to 400 patients at one time. I've looked at the pictures um, of this place, and and I have to say that that it is a really big hospital. Um, And it looks like your typical uh, early 19th century hospital. It doesn't look look like, uh, you know, the hospitals of today. So since tuberculosis was so contagious and deadly, they needed to be separated from those in the community. So what they did was um, on the property, uh, they had their own post office so they could receive and send mail. Um, And I would imagine that they had protocols in place that would enable them to, you know, clean any materials that went out or, you know, anything along those lines. And they had uh, farmland, which they could, I would imagine, have their own livestock um, so they could, you know, feed their uh, patients more easily in uh, gardens and such so they could raise their own produce. And they even had their own zip code. So to say that they were separate from the community, I, I would I would say that that's a yes. Um so any anyone who worked on the property also, they weren't allowed to leave it. They weren't allowed to leave the property, and, that, and that's for obvious reasons, um, you know, so they couldn't potentially spread uh, the disease. So not until 1943 was there any effective way to combat the, the disease, and that was created by microbiologist named Albert Israel Schatz. And it didn't take long after that for the cases to start dropping drastically, leaving little need for the sanatorium. The sanatorium was renovated and turned into a nursing home called Woodhaven Geriatric Center within the year of of the sanatorium actually closing. And due to understaffing and reported criminal abuse to the patients, um, it was shut down and forced to close in 1982. Well, that's not, you know, too long ago, actually. Plans were made to turn the sanatorium into a minimum security prison, but the surrounding communities didn't like that idea, so they shut it down, and it was later changed uh, or set to become an apartment complex. That, too, was closed uh, or shot down because there wasn't, there wasn't enough funds uh, in place to pursue it. So eventually, they did get a potential buyer who was going to build the world's largest Jesus statue, but they only managed to raise uh, a couple thousand dollars when, in actuality, millions were needed. So I, to me, a large statue like that, I, I, I think it's distasteful. Um, so I'm, I'm actually glad that, you know, that didn't transpire. In 2001 couple named Tina and Charlie Mattingly, Mattingly uh, bought the property and they still own it today. 
And they struggled to find what they wanted to do with the property and even got it zoned to put in a massive hotel to put a massive hotel there, but uh, that was also never completed. So it sounds like the place um, is just supposed to remain vacant, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. With all of these things, you know, falling through and whatnot, um, it's trying to tell you something. Hey, I'm happy the way I am. Just leave me alone. Today, uh, the couple hosts tours to raise money for the renovations. And there is a two-hour historical tour that they offer guests and a two-hour paranormal tour that um, they offer during the Halloween season and will sometimes set up, you know, a haunted house on the premises or, you know, within the, the, um, the sanatorium itself. And for extreme folks, those who really like to get scared, they hold a six-hour overnight tour where guests guests can claim to have seen ghosts dressed as patients and nurses from the days when it was an active sanatorium. The reputation of the sanatorium is uh, that of one of the most haunted houses in the United States, although it's not a house. It's been investigated by many paranormal organizations, including Ghost Hunters. Yay for Ghost Hunters. I used to watch that all the time. I loved that show. Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Lockdown, and BuzzFeed Unsolved. Some of the activity reported is that of unexplained footsteps, slamming of doors, weird noises, and so on. There are also reports of hearing screaming, which is thought to be... Um, those of the suffering patients. And it's important to note that Waverly was originally supposed to be a place of comfort and peace for the patients. But due to so many deaths that occurred there because of the tuberculosis epidemic, when people went there, they knew that they were never going to leave because a cure hadn't been uh, invented yet. So I would imagine the majority of the patients there were severely depressed in addition to being very sick. And that alone puts a black cloud over the place, I'm sure. Uh, the staff also uh, lived there with their families, as I said um, a little bit ago, that, you know, they weren't allowed to leave either. And that, I would imagine, must have been difficult for them having to, you know, be around those sick people constantly. And also extremely difficult if they had, you know, any type of family um, that involved children. And, and me personally, I can't even imagine growing up uh, in an environment surrounded by death and despair. Strange, though, they did allow visitors day. And I find that odd. The visitors were allowed to come there and they were allowed to hang out with people uh, who were infected. But they could go back home, you know, when the visits were done. So to me, that's that's a little odd that the workers weren't allowed to leave, but visitors could come and visit patients who were sick. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. So the story goes that in addition to the loving care and philosophy of, of wellness, the grass wasn't always greener on the other side. And records show there were other methods used on patients, such as surgical procedures that at the time were considered to be the bee's knees, but by today's standards, uh, they would be considered uh, barbaric and unethical. So let's be thankful that we live now rather than then. One such procedure was artificial pneumothorax. 
And this involved blowing air into the lungs itself or the cavity between the lungs to artificially collapse the disease portion of the lung, theoretically allowing the lesions caused by tuberculosis to heal. The patients that were most likely to not survive the procedures would lay on their sides, most the side that was most affected by the disease, hoping to restrict the movement of the diseased side. Another procedure that was very commonplace was thoracoplasty. And um, I pronounced that exactly as uh, the pronunciation is written out. <laughs> so forgive me, but it's kind of hard to say. And what this involved was removing multiple ribs with the intent to collapse the lung. The doctors preferred only removing two or three ribs at a time, however, but most patients needed up to eight ribs for the procedure to be effective, which meant more and painful surgeries. While impossible to determine, uh, many, many people died at Waverly during its time as a, san as, a, as a sanatorium. But it's safe to say that for the time, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death, and with no cure, death happened a lot. Historians say the total is around 8,000 with a record of 152 of those happening in 1945 alone. And this was at the height of the epidemic. Regardless, when patients died, they had to be removed from the sanatorium. And patients who saw this happening on a regular basis were pretty much bummed, I'm sure. I know I would be. I mean, how could you not? You're, you're there for the same reason that those people were. And the likelihood that you'll be taken out like you just saw um, was pretty high. So to try and keep morale high, the doctors and staff came up with an alternative and moved the dead in secret. And this is where we start to talk about the body shoot. The hospital had a secret tunnel and they used that to will the bodies of those that had passed on um, because of the disease. And this tunnel led out of the building to train tracks at the bottom of the hill. The bodies were then lowered onto the trains and the train would take them away. And it's probably because uh, of this tunnel um, that it got its nickname, the body chute. According to American hauntings, sightings of more specific apparitions include a ghostly horse or hearse rather, uh, that's seen dropping off coffins at the back of the building. I find that hard to believe. Um, a ghost car, I, I just don't see that happening. Um, a woman with slit wrists pleading for help, as well as a man in a white coat who's seen wandering around in the kitchen area where it's full of broken windows and destroyed furniture. And some say that you can, what when you're in there, you can even smell um, the hemp food. The fifth floor is uh, famous for supposedly being where the mentally ill patients were held and is considered to be the most haunted portion of all of Waverly Sanatorium. Room 502 is said to be where most of the ghostly activity is located and a popular location for ghost hunting teens who would break into the building to get their thrills. It's said to be where you can see shadows moving around through the windows. You can hear voices telling you to get out. On uh, One story is that a nurse was found hanged in room uh, 502 in 1928, and they found her hanging from a light fixture, and it was considered that she had uh, committed suicide, so self-inflicted. 
It's believed, found out that she was pregnant and couldn't deal with it. And on a personal note, I, I would be pretty upset too if I found out I was pregnant working in a place like that. Because not only was she not allowed to leave, but she would have to give birth there. And um, the baby wouldn't be allowed to leave either. So not a place I would want to raise a child, to say the least. And there is also another instance where a second nurse threw herself off the roof onto a patio below. However, some believe she was pushed and pushed by a ghost, from what I understand. But these are just hearsay. No one can really know for sure unless it's proven. While on tours, some pregnant women uh, have felt extremely uncomfortable in room 502, while others have the uncontrollable urge to jump from the window, even to the point of having to be talked down. And for me, that's just awful. So remind me never to visit this place because it's uh, certainly not going to be on my to-do list. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I, I like to talk about, you know, hauntings and stuff like that and read about it and all that comes with it. But I don't like to participate in it, so I won't be going there. So bringing everyone back down to reality here, um, the truth about the fifth floor is that it was never used to house mental patients or to confine them in any way. The patients housed on the fifth floor were as free to move around as on any other floor. In fact, the design of the floor was so that the nurse's station was in the center of the floor itself, and the beds were placed outward facing these large glass windows to let the sunlight in, you know, according to Waverly's treatment regimen. The more sunshine, the better. Of course, you know, vitamin C is good for you and all of this and that, and vitamin D from the sun and, you know, everything else. So that went right along with what their philosophy was. There were, however, patios on the exterior rooftops. So that, I guess, could be left up to interpretation. Also, there is no evidence or records of any nurses committing suicide during Waverly Hills' years of operation. Furthermore, Room 502 has no means by which a nurse could have hung herself or to be hung because the room has no rafters. And the sprinkler pipes are that are there now were just installed. Uh, there were no light fixtures um, that were strong enough to even support the weight of a person. The only person ever to have reported this is no longer with us. She died some time ago. And at the time that she reported uh, the incident, as far as the, the nurse that supposedly hung herself, she was in elementary school. So we don't know for sure if that ever happened. Apart from the fifth floor, there are other reports of apparitions on the grounds of the property. One such report is that of a little boy named Timmy, the ghost of a young boy who wanders the halls. The stories say that Timmy runs around the hospital playing with this ball or trying to find something to play with. Um, how they know if he's running around trying to find something to play with, I don't know, because, you know, you, you, you can't see him unless, you know, he, he has the ball with him. Some guests have reported bringing their own balls to, to tour, um, throw them out for Timmy to play with. And it's said that you can see those balls floating down the hall. As if, being as if being carried by an invisible hand. 
I would absolutely run out of the building if I saw something like that. I would be freaked out and I would turn around and say, nope, I have got to get out of here and I won't be back. Other reports are that of an elderly woman who wanders the halls with chains around her wrists. Now, again, if I saw that, I would absolutely freak out because I I would have nightmares for years. I, I don't want to see that. It's believed that she was a patient there when the hospital was a nursing home. So the chains, I would suspect, are from the horrible treatment that they received, you know, when it was that uh, convalescent home or nursing home, however you want to, you know, say it. Um, She's said to holler for help, but when she's approached, she'll run away screaming. Another noticeable ghost, and this one is, is really creepy and gives me chills, you know, just talking about it, is known as the Creeper. And he's called the creeper due to the way he creeps around the on, on the walls, on the ceilings and floors. People say that if you're around when the creeper is visible, it brings an overwhelming feeling of dread. And I would imagine that it does. Uh, you know, seeing a, a ghost running around on the ceiling, yeah, I would hightail it out of there because I, I wouldn't want any part of that. Um, no explanation is known for who the creeper may be. Some believe it's a patient that was mistreated. And the contorted appearance um, is due to the trauma that they may have experienced in life. At any rate, the darkness that's felt and that surrounds the grounds is quite odd since the whole place was founded to be a place of comfort. The whole idea of having to stay in a hospital brings feelings of dread to a lot of people. It's where ill, weakened people uh, feel most vulnerable. And on the other hand, some people's experiences are far worse than others. That's especially true for the poor and mentally ill who've been kept in sanatoriums or asylums against their will and are subjected to treatments that were less than humane at the hands of the staff that worked there. That being said, it's probably the most logical reason these places are the most haunted. There are countless reports of paranormal activity, ghost sightings, unruly spirits, and other things uh, that surround the now-famous hospital. From Civil War ghosts to mental hospital inmates, the likelihood of those that died in those places remain in those places, wandering the halls, looking for peace that they were denied in life. So, to close, Waverly Hills has a vast history of death and despair, and to think that nothing inhabits their walls It's a little far-fetched as far as I'm concerned. While some of the reports aren't true, especially about the fifth floor, some of them are. For me, it's fair to say something of unknown origin most likely does live there, but I'm not going there to find out. I don't want to take the chance of one of those unknown things coming home with me, and that certainly would not go over well. So in closing, I want to say uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Again, I'm working on a few things uh, so that I can bring more uh, than one episode a week to you in the future. So that's in the works. And if all goes as plans, that'll be here for you uh, before you know it. So uh, you can send all your comments, show ideas, and your own stories because I want to hear them uh, and read them on the show. You can send those to our uh, email address 
um, at the darker side of things one at gmail.com. You can also like and fi- uh, like and follow us on Facebook at the Darker Side of Things podcast page. And that is where we'll post pictures of our shows, any updates, any news we'd like to share. You can also post your thoughts and comments as well. So thank you again for listening. And as always, remember to avoid the rabbit holes. They're dark and they're deep. Thank you.